This is AutoLine Daily, the show that's for enthusiasts of the global automotive industry. We start today in China, where new car sales look like they're on the mend. The China Association of Automobile Manufacturers released preliminary sales numbers for April, and they said that automakers sold 2 million vehicles, and that was up nearly 1% compared to a year ago, and about 40% higher than in March. The Chinese car market was in trouble before the coronavirus hit, and if sales are up, it would be the first time in almost two years that there was an increase in the market. And hopefully, that's a harbinger of what will happen in other automotive markets. Now to the U.S., where General Motors says it has no plans to cut back on its investment in autonomous technology. GM CEO Mary Barra told analysts yesterday that GM Cruise is still testing cars on the road in Phoenix and San Francisco, though it did cut back on some of its testing. She says it continues to make rapid progress despite the pandemic and points out that Cruise is very well funded, so it's not cutting back on spending. Barra also reiterated GM's commitment to electric vehicles and suggested they're not cutting back at all on their investment in electric vehicle programs. She also announced that Honda will make OnStar available in the EVs that GM and Honda are developing together. And you know, it's fascinating to see the growing relationship between these two companies that now involves electric vehicles, autonomous vehicles, and fuel cells. Barra also said that 85% of its dealers in the U.S. are now signed up with its Shop, Click, and Drive program that also involves no-touch delivery service of new cars. 750 of its dealers actually signed up after the pandemic broke out. And even though car sales are down sharply, the number of people using Shop, Click, Drive are up 41%. And GM is going to add eight new features to the program in another week or so. Let's stick with General Motors for another minute here. There's a great story in today's Detroit Free Press about how General Motors was able to greatly ramp up production of manufacturing face masks with the help of the NHL. You heard me right, the National Hockey League. GM ran into a production bottleneck in making masks because the last step in the process is to sanitize the masks before they're boxed up and shipped out. But GM only had one sanitizing machine that could sanitize 2,000 face masks at a time, which would leave it far short of its commitment to make 1.5 million masks every month. Well, it turns out that GM president Mark Royce knew that hockey teams sanitize their equipment after every game. So he called his friend Chris Illich, who owns the Detroit Red Wings hockey team. Well, the Red Wings have their sanitizing machine built right into the HVAC system in their arena. But the Red Wings knew of a local hockey shop with a sanitizing machine, so they got that one. They also contacted the Chicago Blackhawks and the Philadelphia Flyers and were able to get sanitizing machines from them. Those teams shipped their machines to GM's plant that's making the masks, and now, instead of making 1.5 million a month, GM is ramping that up to 3 million a month. And all we can say is bravo to the NHL. And be sure to join us for AutoLine After Hours later this afternoon. Our guest will be Chris Chuka from the Society of Automotive Engineers, who will be telling us all about Formula SAE, where college students get to design, build, and race race cars. 
It's really about grooming a new generation of engineers through racing. Jason Fogelson from RideTech will also be on the show. So join me and Gary Vasilash for some great insights into the automotive industry. Toyota used to have the midsize truck segment all to itself. Its only competition was the Nissan Frontier, the old Nissan Frontier. But that all changed when Chevrolet and GMC introduced their midsize trucks. Now Ford is back with the Ranger, Jeep launched the Gladiator, and Hyundai announced plans to introduce its midsize truck as well. And it looks like the segment is about to get even more crowded. Last week, FCA filed for a trademark application on the name Dakota. It's not commenting about it, but everyone remembers the Dodge Dakota midsize pickup before it was axed in 2011. Elon Musk sure stirred up a lot of buzz in 2012 when he started talking about moving people and goods through vacuum tubes in pods at very high speeds and coined the term Hyperloop. There's been a lot of testing and development by a number of companies since that time, and one prototype got close to 300 miles an hour last year. Now, that might make you think that the first Hyperloop is right around the corner, but Chris Robinson, a senior analyst from Lux Research, says there are a number of factors that could push that introduction back a lot further than you might expect. Well, it's certainly been a lot of progress since uh, the concept was proposed, um, or maybe I should say reproposed by Elon Musk in 2012. Um, but the reality is we're talking about really big infrastructure projects, um, you know, that are going to require, you know, a lot more validation, a lot more testing, and a lot more kind of safety regulations to kind of guide what these systems are going to look like from a commercial perspective. So from a timeline um, you know, it's difficult to say. Um, we look closer to a 20-year timeline, so looking at maybe 2040 as a time when you might start to see some of these systems commercialized. Um, there's a lot of progress, but there also remain a lot of barriers. Um, you know, we don't necessarily need one singular technology breakthrough to make this happen. Um, it's feasible with all of the existing components uh, today, but uh, they haven't been tested in the same conditions that you might want uh, to operate a Hyperloop in, in terms of, you know, the speed and, and the vacuum we're talking about. And if you'd like to learn more about the Hyperloop, you can watch that entire interview right now on our YouTube channel. Just look for the Autoline Network. And, you know, if you show any enthusiast a steering wheel, they can probably tell you the era that that car came from. So Mercedes is highlighting more than 120 years of steering wheel history as it gets ready to introduce an all-new steering wheel in the 2020 E-Class. As many of you know, the first automobiles didn't even have steering wheels. They were fitted with levers, cranks, and tillers. What is considered the first steering wheel was designed by a French engineer for the very first automobile race in 1894. Another feature synonymous with the steering wheel, the horn, didn't start getting incorporated until the 1920s, when huge wheels featured large horn rings in the middle. In 1951, Mercedes introduced a gear shift lever on its steering column. The first combination switch for turn signals and headlights came in 1959. The first airbag in 1981, 
1998 was the first time the steering wheel was coupled with the radio. Fast forward to today in the 2020 E-Class will feature a steering wheel that has a two-zone sensor mounted in the rim to make sure the driver has their hands on the wheel as well as capacitive buttons on the spokes that can be pressed or swiped. The new E-Class will launch later this summer. Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone Tires. Your journey, our passion. Volvo is taking the next step towards autonomy. It's partnering with the tech firm Luminar and will offer LiDAR in its production vehicle starting in 2022. As you can see in the picture here, the system is integrated fairly seamlessly into the roof and doesn't involve one of those giant roof racks that they call a tiara. If customers want to activate the Highway Pilot feature, which allows for fully autonomous highway driving, they can do so with an over-the-air software update. It will also be used to improve Volvo's advanced driver assistance systems. You know, it's interesting that Volvo's going to use LiDAR for autonomous driving because Elon Musk says you don't need one. But as far as we can tell, he seems to be the only one who thinks so. Skoda is going to get a version of Volkswagen's ID4 electric SUV, which Skoda is going to call the Enyaq IV. It's built on VW's MEB architecture and will be made in the Czech Republic, the first MEB-based vehicle that's going to be made outside of Germany. The Enyaq comes with rear or all-wheel drive, three battery sizes, and five power outputs. The base model features rear drive, 52 kilowatt hours of usable battery space, and 340 kilometers of WLTP range, which would be about 190 EPA miles. The largest pack, 77 kilowatt hours of usable space, provides up to 500 WLTP kilometers, which is roughly 275 EPA models. And it gets the most powerful motor, 150 kilowatts, which returns a 0 to 100 kilometers an hour time of only 6.2 seconds. The Enyaq IV goes into production late this year with delivery starting in early 2021. The mystery of why birds always seem to poop on a freshly washed car may never be solved. But what we do know is that if you don't clean it off, bird poop can damage your paint. The white part of the poop is the bird equivalent of urine, and it's actually uric acid. And if you don't clean it off, it can stain your paint permanently. So Ford developed artificial bird poop to test its paint. Sample pieces are sprayed with the synthetic droppings and then aged in an oven at different temperatures. Ford is then able to fine-tune its paint mixture to ensure the best possible protection. Ford says the fake bird poop is so real it can actually reflect the different diets of most of the birds in Europe. And that's why you tune in to AutoLine Daily, because we always give you the straight poop.